0: I'll have you turn with me this evening to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six, and while you're turning there, let me just say again, thank you for uh, allowing us to be here with you all this evening. It's a beautiful uh, church uh, building and and just uh, wonderful people here, and we just appreciate uh, being here with you, and thank you for allowing us to uh, stay in uh, your prophet's chamber while we're here, and just a beautiful area there. And we uh, just really appreciate it. Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read a what I would imagine is probably a, in a, a common a part of Scripture uh, for most of us this evening. Even some of us may be able to quote it. Um, but Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, is where we're going to start. And Paul says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand." Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I don't know if you've noticed this or not recently, but we are living in a world where there is spiritual battles going on constantly. Where we are, and, and even no matter where you are in this world, there is constant battle between right and wrong, light and dark, between the forces of Satan and between the forces of God. And Satan will be fighting this battle till the day he is doomed for eternity in the lake of fire. But God has not left us defenseless. God here Paul as he writes is showing us that God has given us not only some uh some weapons of, and some uh armor of defense but also some weapons of offense so many times we we play defense as Christians. And don't get me wrong, we should defend ourselves against the wiles of the devil and against the temptations that we face. And that is why we see here having your loins girt about with truth and the breastplate and the feet shod and, and the helmet of salvation. And we have these uh, articles of defense spiritually. But so many times we're so... We're always playing on defense that we forget to take the offense as Christians. We forget that we have the victory in Christ. And we don't have to cower against the the temptations of Satan and be under that stronghold of the temptations of Satan and think, this is how it's always going to be, and I'm never going to overcome, and I'm always going to fall, and this is how it's always going to be. Friend, God has given us weapons of offense. He has given us, it says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he had, the, he had all of the articles of defense. He was perfect. He was sinless. But yet, He still used the Word of God. Yeah. He could have defended Himself against Satan. No problem. But Jesus said, I'm not only going to defend, I'm going to fight back. And what did He fight back with? He fought back with the Word of God. He quoted Scripture to the devil, and the devil ran away. And friend, that is why it's so important to know your Bible. It's so important to memorize it. It's so important to meditate on it. It's so important to know what what the Scripture is saying. And so when the time comes, you can appropriately use the truths that are found in the Word of God. God has given us the sword of the Spirit. But if you notice with me in verse 17, it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I ask you this evening is that a period at the end of verse 17? That, friends, is a colon. The thought continues in verse 18. Where he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You see, I believe that the Word of God has wonderful power. I believe that there are truths in in this book that Satan cannot stand against, Satan cannot fight back against, and we should use the Word of God. But can I tell you, I'm afraid that many times we are so focused on the Word of God, don't get me wrong, we can't focus too much on the Word of God, but we focus too little on this other offensive weapon called prayer. Paul says that we are given the sword of the Spirit, but the thought continues and he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And friends, you can have all of these pieces of spiritual armor that he goes through from verse 14 to 17. And may I say, as important and vital as every one of those pieces are, I believe that if one is missing, you're in trouble. I believe it's important to have every single article that is written from verse 14 to verse 18. And that includes prayer. I believe that we can have all of these other things. We can have the the breastplate of righteousness. We can have the, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, all these other things. And yet if we miss it, when it comes to prayer, we've missed it completely. Because we end up focusing on us and our focus comes off of God and our dependence on Him. You see, that's what many times prayer is. It's us coming to God and showing him, I can't do it on my own. I need to depend on you. And God loves it when we do that. And Satan hates it when we do that because Satan knows he might be able to go against us when we've missed the object object of prayer. But as soon as we get down on our knees and we ask God and we beg God to stand in our place and to fight our battles, Satan will run. God has given us an amazing resource in prayer as an offensive weapon in our spiritual battles. But I want you to notice in verse 19, again, verse 18, the end of the verse, there is no period. The thought continues. And Paul says, and for me. What do you you mean, Paul, and for me? Well, he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me. Paul here is saying, I want you to make sure you have prayer in your uh, in, involved in your spiritual battle and pray for all saints. And then he says, and for me. Paul here is making a personal prayer request. He is saying, pray for me. But Paul here was one of the first missionaries. And Paul, as he's writing this is sitting in a prison and he's, at, he's talking to this church, he's writing to this church at Ephesus and telling them what they need for their spiritual battle and he, he incorporates prayer but then he leaves that subject in, in, of the spiritual battle and the armor and he says, and can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Missionaries need prayer. You talk about a spiritual battle. Missionaries need prayer. I know you probably never struggle with this, but for me, there have been times in my Christian life where I failed to pray for missionaries like I should. And, you know, one of the things is out of sight, out of mind. And can I be practical with you just for a moment? In order to pray for missionaries, you need to Be you need to determine to do it. It's something that's not going to happen by accident. You need to be purposeful in praying for your missionaries. Because I said many times, out of sight, out of mind. And it may very well be where you don't see a missionary for a few years and it can get to a point where you just over time forget to pray for them. But we sometimes fail in praying for our missionaries like we should. I remember the first time God really got a hold of my heart in praying for missionaries like I should. There's a missionary family that came through our church there in Iowa quite a few years ago, and uh, wonderful family. God was calling them to Africa, and uh, they'd come through our church and on deputation, and just a, just a beautiful family, good number of kids, and uh, they were going to go to Africa, and we were, I believe, one of the last churches that they were at um, before they went to the field later that year. They went to the field there in Africa. And as they were there, they hadn't been there for more than a few months. And the husband of the family was shot and killed in a drive-by. And I remember getting that text from our pastor that, you know, brother so-and-so, had you know been shot and killed. So, you know, it was not intentional. They were driving through a bad part of, of the town there and uh, just some government forces and some uh, troublemakers there in the, in the city and he got caught in the crossfire. And I remember getting that text from our pastor and it really uh, got my attention and felt horrible for the family. Couldn't believe it. It's one of those things... You get that text or you get that news and your first thought is I don't understand. Why? Why them? Why why now? What what's what's the purpose, God? And you just you ask why. But I remember the next church service that we had and we were there and pastor addressed it and he talked about this missionary family and what he was planning to do to help the widow and the children and all these things, but then he really got our attention and challenged us as a church. He said, "I want to ask you." He said as 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 hard and difficult as this is, this news and it's it's sad. He said, "How many of you here?" He said, "You know, don't raise your hand, don't answer." He said it's a rhetorical question. But how many of you here have prayed for them since they were here? And I tell you that was a very pointed question. A question that got a hold of a lot of our hearts. And since that time, our pastor has made it a point And try to make it a purpose of our church to faithfully pray for our missionaries. And I don't ever want to get to a point where I hear some horrible news about a missionary family, whether it be a death or them falling away from the faith and committing a heinous sin or, or whatever it may be. I don't want to hear some bad news about a missionary that I know of and support and think, when did I pray for them? When did I lift them up in prayer? that God would watch over them and and keep them. I want us to look quickly this evening at Paul's prayer request, and we're going to look here at his prayer request, and then we're going to look at also a second one very quickly. But before I begin, let me say that these prayer requests aren't necessarily going to be, I don't think, what you would expect Paul to write, or at least someone to write in Paul's situation. Paul here is in prison. He is not in a U.S. prison where it's cushy and and nice. And, you know, he's in the, he's in a horrible place in this time of history as far as prisons go. It's dirty. It's, it's horrible conditions. And yet he's not going to ask for what we think someone like that would ask. His prayer requests go deeper than the physical. And can I challenge you this evening? When you pray for your missionaries, pray for their safety. Pray that God would watch over them and keep them safe. You know, I would be a fool to get up here and say, I don't want you to pray that God would keep my family. And I said, no, I would love for you to pray that God would keep my family and I safe. But I want to challenge you this evening that our prayers for missionaries would go deeper than that. I feel like many times, even when I was faithful to pray for missionaries, that would be as deep as I would go, was God Watch over them, keep them safe, be with them there. But Paul, he goes deeper. Paul, what do you want us to pray for? In verse 19, he says, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul, he asks prayer for communication. Paul here says, Pray that utterance may be given unto me, What does that mean? He's asking that they would pray that God would give him the words to say. That word utterance means words, that that the words would be given unto him and that he would know what to say and who to say it to and how to say it. You see, Paul was constantly chained to a Roman guard and he would very rarely be brought out into the public, but he would be every now and then, uh, he, would, he would brush sh- shoulders with another individual and he was always looking for a chance to share the gospel. You read the book of Acts, you read the epistles, Paul was always looking for those opportunities. And Paul here is asking, pray that the utterance may be given unto me. Pray that those words would, that God would give me the words to say. Can I tell you this evening? That talking to people in Thailand about Christ is different than talking to people here in America about Christ. In Thailand, many times, we have to start with a clean slate. We're starting with people that have no no knowledge of God, no knowledge of Jesus. It is starting with a clean slate. We could be working with a middle-aged person and they have no idea, they've never heard of Jesus Christ. And Paul here is asking, pray that God would Give me the words to say. He says that I may open my mouth boldly. That to me sounds like an odd prayer request for the Apostle Paul to ask for. When I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of boldness. I think of someone that was always looking for that opportunity and always ready. But here Paul asked for boldness, that he would open his mouth boldly. Paul here, I believe, was being transparent with this church at Ephesus. He had just gone through the spiritual uh, armor and for the spiritual battle, and now here he is asking for prayer that utterance would be given him, that he would be able to make to open his mouth boldly. And I believe Paul is making known to these this church at Ephesus that it's been difficult for him, and he does not want to lose that boldness. He's asking that God would give him that boldness. And the purpose is, as he says in verse 19, to make known the mystery of the gospel. He's not asking for the words or or boldness so that, you know, he could be that, you know, that guy that everybody wants to be with, that he could be a big personality. He's asking for it so that he could get the gospel to other people. That is what he is asking prayer for. He says in verse 20, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Here is his second prayer request, I believe, in this text. First, he asks that God would give him the right communication. And secondly, here, I believe he's asking for continuation. He says, For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. When he says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, I believe that could have two possible meanings. One, it could be literal. Paul was literally in bonds when he was writing this. He was in prison. And he is saying, I am bound here and God has set me here and I don't understand the purpose. I don't understand the reasoning. I'm not preaching to hundreds. I'm only with a few number at a time. But this is where I am. I am an ambassador in bonds. Or Paul could have been referring to the fact that he is bound by God to be an ambassador. He is bound by the commandment of God to be an apostle and be a, be a, be a, a witness to the Gentiles. But I believe both could be true. Whether, however Paul was meaning it, it could be true that he is in that place by the command of God and he is literally there in bonds as an ambassador. And he says that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The Apostle Paul was asking this church to pray that he would continue. Pray that I will continue to speak as I ought to speak. Pray that the the temptations of Satan do not overwhelm me and cause me to hold back and to be quiet, but instead God would give me the words, God would give me the boldness, and I would be able to see people come to the knowledge of, sa- of the Savior of Jesus Christ. This is where he gives his prayer request in Ephesians chapter 6. But turn with me, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we'll quickly see his second prayer request. And we could look at others tonight, but we will only look at these two Prayer request to the Apostle Paul as a missionary. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Apostle Paul here writing to the church at Thessalonica and he's ending his second letter here and he says pray that the word of the Lord would have free course. Pray that the current of the word of God in this area would be strong. Pray that nothing would be able to hinder what God wants to do here. Back in 2011 there was a Great flood in in the in the uh, country of Thailand, especially in the city of Bangkok. It drove people out of the city. It drove people out to leave their homes. And as I mentioned in the question answer period, you know there's the three seasons, and one of them is the rainy season. And from that is from uh, July to October, and it can literally almost rain every day. And in 2011, it did. It rained every day, almost all day from June to October. And that flood just completely took over the city of Bangkok and drove people out of their homes, drove people out of their businesses. And in that period of time, that flood could not be contained by you know by any human efforts. And they, they would try to keep it from coming and it would just push its way through and cause damage and cause destruction. And so... Just as that flood, and, and 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 if you've ever experienced a type of flood like that here, but in that type of in that type of uh, experience, you are trying to keep that water out, and you're trying to keep it at bay, and many times it will just that force will just blow through, and there's nothing you can do about it. And in the same way that that flood can be destructive and it can it can have a horrible effect, Paul here is saying, I want the word of God to have that same effect in the reverse. I want it to where it will renew and regenerate and it will save the lost and nothing can push it back. Nothing can hold it from doing its work. Paul here is asking that the word of the Lord would be able to do exactly what God wants it to do and Satan would not be able to hinder it. Man would not be able to hinder it and that it would have its free course. You notice he says at the end of verse one that it would be glorified even as it is with you. He's making this personal to the people at Thessalonica. What does he mean when he says, Even as it is, even as it is with you? Well, in First Thessalonians chapter one, verse eight, he wrote this to them. He said, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spreading abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Paul is saying here, Pray that the word of the Lord can have free course, just like it had with you. And what he's referring to is how when everybody could, everybody heard the word of the Lord. Everybody heard uh, the word of God when it was uh, your faith added to it, and wherever they were, the word of the Lord was being proclaimed. So Paul here has asked a prayer request for communication, for continuation for the strong current of the word of God. And lastly, this evening, he's asking prayer, asking for prayer in regards of contention. In verse 2 of 2 Thessalonians 3, he says, "...and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith." You see, no matter where you go, some places it'll be more so than others but no matter where you go, there will always be opposition to the gospel. It may come in the form of persecution and there's places like that throughout our world where people who proclaim the name of Christ or trust in the name of Christ will face literal persecution and life and death persecution. There are others that may be uh, kicked out of the country. No physical harm will come to them, but they will be kicked out of the country. They will be uh, shunned or or thrown uh, out of, of the uh, society and have nothing to do with. And thankfully in our country... Uh, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of it. But right now, uh, we face a little persecution, but we do face a little bit of pushback and opposition, of of course. So no matter wherever you go, there is opposition to the Word of God. And Paul here is asking that they would be delivered from that. And I know for some of us and in, in, in our minds, we think that, we, we picture God judging those people and getting rid of those people and getting in the way and destroying those people that are trying to go against the Word of God. And does God do that? Sometimes, yes. But that's not what Paul is praying for. He says that we may del- be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Paul here is saying that the reason those people are acting that way is because they don't have faith in Christ. Why do we get so surprised when lost people act like lost people? When people who are literally, as Jesus called them, children of Satan are fighting back against the things of God. It's going to happen, folks. And we should not be surprised. We should not lay down against it and just let the persecution happen. We should stand for what is right. We should do what is right. But let us be careful not to get to a point where our first prayer, our first thought is, God, just wipe them out. Get them out of here. take, Take the opposition away. Paul's prayer request here was that they might be saved. He said, for all men have not faith. And for Paul, the answer of getting rid of the opposition the persecution was that they be saved and so Paul here is asking pray that our contentious opposers trust in Christ there are many requests different requests that missionaries throughout all the world would have and if we were able to go through every missionary That is, in this world, they would have a large number of different requests that would be different from each other. But I believe that the Apostle Paul's prayer request that we looked at tonight, every missionary, no matter where they're at, no matter where they're serving, would say amen to it. I believe every missionary would look at that and say, yes, pray that God gives us the words to say and how to say it. Pray that God helps us to continue and not fall to Satan's temptations and not give in to the flesh and not to just quit and say, you know what, it's too hard. Pray that we continue. Pray that the, the, the Word of God has free course and wherever we're at, that, that there won't be that uh, hindrances from Satan and from, from man, that the Word of God will just be able to do what God wants it to do. And pray that that uh, contention is changed. Because those who are contending against us the strongest, they end up getting saved. I think every, every missionary would say amen to that. And I would as well. This is why we covet your prayers. As I said at the beginning, we're all in a spiritual battle. And missionaries are definitely in a spiritual battle. Maybe not, so maybe not more than any, anybody else, but they are in a spiritual battle. Spiritually dark countries spiritually dark communities doing what God has called us to do. And I do ask that you would pl- please pray for us. Pray for your missionaries. I just challenge you to stay faithful to it. Be purposeful about it. It can get to a point where if you're, if we're not careful, we forget. And we just let it slide. And I don't want that to happen again to me. I don't want it to happen to you either. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for not leaving us defenseless, Lord, in a spiritual battle. God, for giving us this uh, asset of prayer. God, help us to be faithful in uh, just using it and and using it resourcefully as you'd have us to, God. I pray that you would be with this church. I thank you for them. I thank you for their pastor. God, be with their missionaries that they support. God, just pray that this challenge, Lord, would um, just uh, work on some hearts this evening, Lord, and pray that we would just Be faithful, Lord, in praying for those that you have called to go and proclaim the gospel in another land. We thank you again for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.